Welcome to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, your home for everything related to marathon canoe racing. Now, it's time to get your paddles wet with your hosts, Kevin Olson and Bill Mahaffey. Take it away, boys. Welcome back, race fans, to episode 49 of the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast show. Joined in the studio tonight, I have both Rebecca and Ryan. Rebecca Davis, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm excellent. I'm so excited. This was, I was so glad to be sitting out this race because I got to enjoy watching it which if I were racing, I would have had no idea what was going on. So it was a, it was a great one to, to witness. Uh, it, it, it absolutely was. And that was a, a thought on my mind, but we'll get back to that. Ryan Matthews, how are you doing this afternoon, sir? Oh, the post-marathon depression's hitting me hard, but I'm doing well otherwise. Well, we can, we can do without the depression, but if you have to have it, like post-marathon <laughs> depression is not the bad type, right? So, hey, hey, I would write. It's a job well done type of depression. <laughs> there you go. Dr. Yeah. Bill says hit the river and paddle. That's the cure, right? There's a cure for this and that's it. Absolutely. We have a, uh, a fantastic show tonight with a post Asabo River canoe marathon episode. Uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, we had a burner for the 75th. Uh, Rebecca Davis, give us a rundown, like river conditions, things of that nature. So I wasn't looking at the gauge, so Ryan might have to fill us in on actual stats here, but it looks, um, from finishing times and whatnot to be around an average water year, I would say. Um, nothing seemed to be super low. I think there was better flow the second half, if I'm not mistaken, uh, but all in all, uh, there were a lot of teams finishing really close, and the winning time was 14:23:06. Uh, so that's, I would say, pretty pretty normal. Yeah, yeah they, absolutely. They, Ryan, what do you got as far as the the conditions go from your side of things? Uh, the, the river was just above average in the flow, especially in the second half. Like Rebecca said, uh, all that rain that Atskota got um, just before the race hit the ponds right. Pretty much right as the racers were getting there. Um, it wasn't a significant amount of rain, but it was definitely enough to make things interesting. Um, a lot of teams said they experienced fog, especially between Mayo and Alcona. Um, a number of teams uh, said they got lost because of it. At least one team said their GPS wouldn't connect through it. Um, quite a bit of boat carnage, but I think uh, all in all, it was good water and good weather. Yeah, I, I think you you hit a couple things that contributed there to the boat carnage. We had a uh, average to above average water, and when you have a little more uh, water in the river valley, uh, magic stick here at the slice of heaven said we had eh, I would say probably another three to five inches more than what we could have or should have had. Uh, it, you you tend to not see the things that maybe you should see before all of a sudden you hit them and your boat goes ouch. So there was definitely some epic, epic boat carnage picks. I've, I've seen the majority of them, but uh, I am a boat carnage porn fan, I guess, for lack of a better term. If you've got them, send them to me because I'd love to see them. Uh, I know that we did a little bit of uh, ouch ourselves, uh, but nothing too serious. Uh, and then that, that fog was absolutely epic, uh, especially from Mayo to probably somewhere below Cummins Flats for us. 
Um, I'll never forget, like, okay, following a boat, these guys are going too slow. We got to go by them. We go by them, and then we run aground, and then we get right back behind the same boat, and we're following them. And all of a sudden, I'm like, man, I think we just turned up river here. And then I kind of looked at Strava afterwards and went, oh, yeah, you you can see where we were, like, maybe starting to go the wrong way and then realized, nope, we got to correct and go back this direction on, on the GPS. It was absolutely wild um, for a, probably a good hour or two stretch in there below Mayo. So, yeah. yeah there's, there was one paddler I was talking to. They said there was a group of them all riding together, and they were following a veteran paddler, and they thought they went – like around one of the three island cuts, one of the three islands below Mayo. They thought they went around it because they were lost in the fog. The whole the whole pack of them. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of stories like that. It, it definitely uh, was up there. I've heard a lot of what was it, 2004 stories, oh, yeah. uh, where oh. it was so so bad. That that was the one where people were like turned around on Mayo Pond, right? Um, 2004 was the worst fog I've ever personally seen. Um. Because you standing on the landing at Alcona, you couldn't even see the dam. It was that foggy. Um, but yeah, 2004 was the year that a whole bunch of teams got lost in Alcona and before 4001. And and uh, I mean, the fog got bad even before Mayo that year. So um, now the counter to that fog was we had good water and it was moving good. So even looking at the point to point times in that fog, teams still turned some solid times basically from Mayo down in the fog where they couldn't see and were kind of paddling blind. Uh, Ryan, well, we got you chatting, man. Let's jump to what should we know about the 75th? This was the 75th of Salvo River Canoe Marathon as far as the accomplishments of the field. Uh, Well, uh, let me pull it up here. Um, We had had, uh, 34 first-time finishers. We had 18 paddlers who set um, personal bests with positions and 39 paddlers who set personal bests with finish times. And we had 13 paddlers uh, who tied their personal best positions. So a lot of a lot of little accomplishments uh, or big accomplishments, I should say, throughout the field. Uh, we saw amongst the leaders some epic sprints, um, you know, coming through Mayo to McKinley. This, the, the teams of Wesley Dean, Steve Lejoie, and Christophe Pru and Ryan Halstead, they were the fourth and fifth fastest teams all time through uh, Mayo to McKinley. Um, I'm sure we'll get to it a little bit later, but uh, they, they had an epic sprint trying to uh, race each other. And, and yeah. And then uh, uh, lower below, Mike Davis and Guillaume Blay, uh, fastest team ever from five channels to foot. Um, the only team ever to go under two hours, eight minutes on the last two ponds. They were hauling butt um, third third all time and both cooked the, or five channels of cook and cooked the foot. Um, and uh, I think if the race had been a couple miles longer, they might have been uh, knocking on the door for the win because they were hauling ass. So I'll have to send all this to Mike Ryan because you'll make him feel good. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Ryan, now, now, Rebecca, you were you were shore crew for that boat. I got to ask, was there a super secret feed or something that really set him off and went, pew, what did you give him? Did you give him some rocket fuel or? 
so they were super inconsistent uh, throughout the night. And uh, I think they got a little bit cold and a little bit, uh, I, I wouldn't want to say beat down, but just they had a little bit of a low after going over Mayo in the top pack and uh, fell back a bit. I think the checkpoint where they were furthest back, they were seven minutes and 42 seconds out of the lead. And um, coming into Loud, Guillaume actually requested pizza, which we happened to have in the cooler. So uh, one of our feeders ran back, like kind of as they were coming into the portage, grabbed some like half a pizza out of the cooler and just was running down with it in like his hands, not in a bag or anything. And we just threw it in their laps uh, as they were paddling away and we're like this is very strange hopefully we'll bag the rest up for five channels if that's not what they wanted um but mike said when they got to the finish that guillaume ate all of his slices and one of mike's and mike ate one of his and after that it was like we had a whole new team they were feeling good peppy talking to us which was so fun because uh, it's always good. It always feels good when your team is coming in strong. So we had a blast following them the last three or four hours into the finish. Uh, that That is awesome. Sounds like pizza was the secret weapon there, right? Like that, that was a super secret. What kind of pizza was that? Little Caesars hot and ready with pepperoni. Oh my <laughs> God. It is the ultimate weapon. Uh, yeah. You can't, no one can ever disprove that. Uh, Throw it in the Ziploc bags before the night even starts. It's absolutely amazing. If you haven't tried it, thank Rebecca Davis later. I think it only works sometimes, though, because Mike Mike has only asked for pizza, I think, like, in two other races ever. So um, it must it must not work all the time, but when it, when it hits, I guess it's magic. Yeah, a hot, a hot and ready is what my dad always asked for at the finish line, and every year he's raced. <laughs> It's a solid choice. <laughs> it is. Something about it. Yep. Yep. Hey, Mike, Mike and Mary Nillich, Michigan people, founders of Little Caesars, right? Supporting yeah. the marathon, and they don't even realize it. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. some, uh, some other uh, statistical achievements. Try to hit on uh, Dane and Tom Trudgeon. They set a uh, new time, uh, time trials record for youth adult. Uh, Guillaume and Joel Lamontagne set a rookie sprint record. Uh, Dan and Mecklenburg, John Webb set the veteran sprint record. And uh, Chris Isendorf and Pete Mead sets a handful of Masters Division point to point times during the race. So, uh, And if anyone listening doesn't understand how impressive that is, I believe almost all of those were prior. Uh, in prior years held by Serge Corbin and Jeff Kolka. It was Serge and Jeff, yeah. A lot of the point-to-point ones held by Serge and Jeff or Saul or Brett Stockton or, you know, some of the all-time greats of the race. So definitely definitely an achievement. Yeah, for sure. Have you, uh, I don't want to put you on the spot a little bit. It's okay to say no here. Have you got a chance to go through the, like, the the age you know, fastest, uh, say, certain year old male racing men's, racing mixed, women women racing with women, women racing mixed. I saw one uh, on the interwebs earlier today. Uh, it looked like Maria Schilling, the, uh, the great for getting her partners into those categories. It looked like she may have made it for a woman racing women's 
for her age this year as well. So it'll be very curious to see what those look like when they're updated. Have you had a chance to go through them yet, Ryan, or no? No, age records are next on my to-do list, um, but I can look at one right now. And uh, let's see, Maria and Melissa, 1709, and I forget how old Maria was, but I do believe it was a record. Okay. Well, we're going to go with do believe it was a record, so congratulations there, and it'll be very curious to see how many uh, more uh, those records fell this year, too, as the field continues to get faster and faster. So, let's jump into the results, right? That's what everybody wants. Uh, Ryan, give us the rundown on the uh, – let's, let's just go top 15. All right, top 15. Uh, well, the uh, 15th place team, I'll start from 15th and go up. Uh, 15th place team was Douglas Dahlman and Brad Wilson. Uh, they're both from southwest Michigan. Uh, 14th is Jason Hatfield and Guy Rousseau. Uh, 13th place was Rod Halstead, returning after a number of year hiatus, uh, racing with Spencer Durenzi. Um 12th place is Michael Schlemmer and Ev Chamberlain. They had a really, really good race. It was fun to watch them all night. Uh, 11th place, Travis Mecklenburg and Austin Weiler. 10th place, Richard Louth and Colin Hunter. 9th place, Kyle Miner and Kyle Stonehouse. 8th place, beating them in a sprint, was Logan Miner and Clay Wyatt. It was pretty fun watching the two brothers compete at the end there. Uh, and they they were only I don't know five feet difference. It was it was pretty close. Uh, seventh place Daniel Medina and Carson Burmeister. Sixth place Ryan Zavarel, Matt Gabriel Jr. Fifth place Weston Willoughby and record holder Matt Mearsman. Fourth place is Chris Isendorf and Pete Mead. They had one of their uh, epic second halves. Uh, third place was Mike Davis and Guillaume Blay. Second place, uh, Christoph Prue and Ryan Halstead, and the 75th anniversary uh, Salba River Canoe Marathon champions were Wesley Dean and Steve Lajoie. Getting to watch the top of the race kind of play out, uh, one thing that really struck me is very late into the race how dynamic things were. Uh, the top two teams were kind of together alone from basically Mayo down. Um, and then even before that at different points, but it wasn't uh, easy for those teams to stay together. I know Christoph Pru and Ryan Halston did flip below Mayo and got over a minute back from what we've heard from shore, uh, shore crews and were able to get, close that gap and get back up to Wes and Steve before McKinley. Um, that's probably part of why that separation, if you were following along at home where they got like six minute lead on the next pack, was probably some tactical decisions there with both those teams really pushing hard to kind of break the race open uh, once that flip happened. But after that, uh, we're just watching these teams, you know, at the dams and three, four, five, and six were all switching positions multiple times in the last four or five hours. They went from probably a eight minute, roughly eight minute gap down at one point, um, Mike and Guillaume, to being three minutes behind the winners at the end. Um, so that that 
first to third, fourth place times like really got closer as the race got uh, later, so later into the day. And uh, it was really just exciting. We had the top six finishers finished within 11 minutes. I think it was oh, 11.03, so slightly off there, but yeah, <laughs> 11 minutes and three seconds. <laughs> that's that's the first time in race history that the top six were all within pretty much 11 minutes of each other. And it was so exciting to watch because they, they all six were just charging hard um, for either a top three or a winning position. And uh, I don't think that the top teams could really relax because <laughs> they were right there. Several times people were, you know, knocking on the door and closing those gaps. Yeah, there was a lot of jostling for position, especially in the second half. And it was really fun to watch all morning. Yeah, I, I feel I haven't watched too many races in the last 15 years. Um, the last one I watched was 20. 21 and that one was pretty exciting in that there were some packs with the race being higher water it was more packed up at the top than than i would say would be typical but they kind of you know got into these little isolated groups with the winners being quite a quite a ways ahead of the second place team and so forth but uh i've you know growing up i remember watching where like the top 10 were like okay here's first and then five minutes later here's second and then five minutes later here's third and like you kind of get to the morning and you're just like kind of seeing the same thing happening all the time and that was definitely not the case right i i remember standing on foot and I, i took a picture it's the first time i've ever seen the top four teams all within sight of each other coming into foot and then Right as pretty much first and second were getting to the dam, uh, fifth place when Weston and Matt came around that point there, so they were, I mean, not not that far behind, and uh, I remember the the crowd was cheering pretty loud because of it, you know, all within five minutes of each other at at foot there. Yeah, it was very, very exciting to be on the feeding side. We were constantly jostling for position because we'd be standing at the bottom and people would be yelling down and they'd be in a completely different order (laughs) than they were um, at the last checkpoint. So um, that made for an exciting time. Everyone was working together really well, though, so we didn't have any issues there. Um, I always like to shout out in our 10th place, we had Rich and Colin, and we always joke that Rich is the gatekeeper in the top 10. He likes that 10th place finishing position when he's racing men's. <laughs> um, so he held it down again this year. And I think, uh, Bill, I think you, you jinxed our 11th place team. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely feel like a, there there was a jinx there. Like maybe I should have called them in 10th. Uh, but I believe the NACPR had them in 14th, and I was like, absolutely not. Mecklenburg and Weiler, 11th place, and then they ended up 11th place. Talk about a couple of guys just knocking on the door uh, that didn't get there and have to wait another year to try for that top 10. Uh, totally threw a jinx on that one. Uh, looking at that, like, 10th to 15th though i i think you really got to give a, a a shout out to a couple of teams there uh jason hatfield and Guy Rousseau, uh specifically like just knowing what they went through i think they started out sprinting in a corbin or, or when they started paddling together in a corbin um and, and there were some issues with that boat and then they switched to uh gillies 
and that didn't work out for him so well. And then I believe they raced to 2020. Um, and if you looked at their spikes results, you wouldn't have went, um, well, yeah, clearly this is a team that's going to end up in the top 15, but then you look at the marathon and they ended up 14th place. I, I think that's a huge testimony to just how big of a grinder Jason Hatfield is. And then the other one that is really, really good, like in the, from the men's side of things in the masters world, they were fourth masters. Uh, but Doug Dahlman and Brad Wilson for, for Doug to take 15th place is just a, a testimony to his dedication to the craft and, and how much he has continued to improve as a paddler year after year after year. Um, where his limit is, I, I don't think we've actually seen it yet, but that was a great race for that boat. Um, who else do you have in the, the top 15, Rebecca, that, that you think is a, a bump worthy here? I, one I'd like to mention, and not a surprise at all where they finished in fifth place, is Weston Willoughby and Matt Mearsman. Uh, I think we went over this a little bit in our preview episode, but there is kind of a curse of the eights when you're sprinting um, <laughs> in eighth position. And so I was rooting for Pete and Chris to sprint eighth just because Pete always has a good race when he sprints eighth. So, you know, I want everyone to do well. <laughs> um, but Weston and Matt did break that curse, I would say. So they finished fifth. Um, so better than their sprint position and uh, still inside the top 10, <laughs> which is uh, a, a big relief because I was a little worried for him going into race night. <laughs> How about you, Ryan? Well, just just something to note is sec- the second time that Weston has started eighth and he's done well both times. So maybe he's just like Pete and it, that curse doesn't affect him. But it's pretty much just Pete and Weston. Um <laughs> One team I thought did really well was Rod and Spencer. Um, Spencer set a new PR in both finish time and finish position, and it was really cool seeing Rod out there again. I think his last race was 2010 or so, Um, and I thought they had a really great race. Um, It looked like they were by themselves most of the morning, but they they had good spirits every time I I was cheering for them. And, uh, you know, 13th place, it's pretty good in this field. It's one of the deepest ever if not the deepest ever so and of course michael and ev had i mean 12th place as a mixed team is phenomenal and and they they had uh smiles on their faces almost every time i saw them so and i think this transitions well into our division winners uh topic of conversation but I believe with a time of 15, 17, 47, that probably puts Mike and Ev pretty high up on the all-time mix finish time sheet as well. Uh, I, I don't know exactly, but I know when Mike and I were racing, um, we finished right about that same time, and I think we're in the top 10 at that time. I know we've had some quicker yeah. years since then, F- but 15, that's a really 17. impressive time. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Uh, oh, you're good. 15-17 10th fastest mixed all time. And that race, um, to round out our top, it looks like there's a break at the top five in the mixed, but Mike and Ev were in 12th overall, winning the mixed. Um, in 16th overall was Adam Gelinas and Sarah Lassard. Uh, third mixed team in 18th overall was Gaston Jones and Mary Schlimmer-Willoughby. And in 22nd, so fourth place mixed team was Andy Hall and Gloria Wesley, first seniors as well. And then rounding up, 
rounding out our top five in 25th place overall was Dodd Yeager and Shannon Isendorf. Um, so we had five mixed teams in the top 25, um, all finishing within a half hour, <laughs> which some years the top mixed team wins by half an hour. So, yeah. uh, and I think those five throughout the night were uh, switching around. It's very similar to the men's uh, overall race, like back and forth, and it took a while to settle into position. Yeah, at Townline, uh, Gaston and Mary were leading the mixed race with uh, Adam and Sarah second and Michael and Ev third. And they jostled a bit until right around Mayo. And then uh, it started to separate a bit. But, I mean, there's not much separation even at the finish. One thing to note, too, uh, Andy Hall and Gloria Wesley, you know, you, you said they won the seniors as well. And that's um, the first time since 2008 that a mixed team has won the seniors and I think the second time ever. So that's a pretty cool accomplishment for them. It's a, it's a pretty big accomplishment too. Let's run through that seniors top five. Who was, uh, I think the Millers were two in second in, in the seniors. Uh, third was probably Michael Caden, Sean Boyette. And yep. then yep. fourth, uh, go ahead, Rebecca. Fourth was uh, Stephen Routley and James Miller, our Aussie team. And then in fifth, we had Ted Kenyon and Peter Heed. Okay. Okay. So we had a mixed team win a very deep seniors field and take 22nd overall. That's very impressive for Andy and Gloria. So it is. And the the Miller brothers are three-time former seniors champs. So, you know, they they were right up there. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Let's uh, let's jump back in age bucket or bracket, I guess, and go to uh, the Masters division. Uh, we mentioned Chris and Pete, uh, who won the Masters division, set a, a bunch of point-to-point records, uh, taking them away from some very formidable names in the sport. Uh, how'd the rest of the Masters field play out? Uh, second Masters was Richard Louth and Colin Hunter. They finished 10th overall. Uh, third Masters, Jason Hatfield, Guy Rousseau. Fourth Masters was Doug Dahlman and Brad Wilson. And fifth Masters was Tim Sheldon and Tad Hill in 19th. Okay. And we had all five of the Masters teams in the top 20. Well, top 19, I guess. Um, that, yeah. that ended up, yeah. They were, um, that was... I guess to be a little bit expected that the Masters race would be tight because we have a lot of Masters that are paddling really high level in our sport. But, yeah, even if you look down um, through the top 30, there's a few more, and they're all names that I wouldn't be shocked (laughs) to see, um, you know, mixing it up with with those top five teams. It was a, a very competitive field, again, as it has been for every division. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. If Patrick and Brett hadn't hit that, uh, Patrick Madden and Brett Stockton hadn't hit that fish hide, they might have been top 22, or 20 also, I should say. Um, they came in in sixth mix and 23rd spot, and uh, they sprinted really well, but they were part of those teams that had some boat carnage and long strips of flex seal tape. <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots and lots of flex tape. Flex tape, people, if you're out there, 
hit us up, right? You could be a corporate sponsor of the podcast or the Asalvo River Canoe Marathon. Lord knows we use a lot of your product. So, yeah. Um, one other Masters team, I, I guess two other Masters teams that I, I thought were really noteworthy. Uh, Ryan Peterson and Jeremiah Mink. I believe they had Peterson's custom-built wood strip again this year, correct? Yeah, the uh, Peterson Rocket. Okay, that that's a very beautiful, beautiful boat. Took 29th place, seventh Masters overall, and it's a wood strip canoe. Absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous work of art. Uh, and then uh, got to give a quick shout out to uh, Judson and Dan. Uh, they were eighth Masters back for their second trip on the Asable and pulled off another top 40 as well in 38th place. Yeah, they. Uh, I think they had a pretty fun one from the sounds of it, and those guys always have a good time. But uh, two super nice guys from Wisconsin, uh, really nice paddlers too, and it's good to see see them doing well. Yeah, for sure. Let's then, uh, hey, go ahead, Ryan. I was gonna say they they were uh, instrumental in getting the Belize team to race this year too. Yeah, Justin they. they they played a lot of support for them, getting them hooked up, getting them into the country, um, helping them find everything from lodging to boats. <laughs> so it's it's good to see people um, helping each other out to, to make the race happen. And I think all of our international teams uh, had quite a bit of community support from other paddlers, which is really awesome to see. Absolutely. Uh, on that note, let's jump over. You mentioned the Belize team. Let's use them as a bridge over to the rookie results. Uh, what do we have for the top five there? Well, the top three were all international teams. Uh, first place uh, rookie, finishing in 20th overall, was Guillaume and Joel Lamontagne in uh, 1541.03. And just two minutes behind them was the Belize team of Carlos Linares. And Christian Lopez in 21st place. I would like the record to show that I had them slightly off. I had them as my bubble team in 40th place, surprising everybody. Uh, they went from 40th to 21st place. A little off on that one. Yeah, they had a really great race. And then uh, third place rookie was the team from Germany, Robin Eschbach and Michael Schultz. Um, they were running, I believe, as high as 33rd at one point, and then they had light trouble as I understand it, fell back to 63rd place and then passed 15 teams after McKinley. And, um, yeah, strong second half for them. Uh, Fourth-placed rookie is uh, Tim Burr and David Burr, uh, young guys at a grayling in 56th place. And then uh, fifth-placed rookie was our youth team, Anthony Fisher and Jaden Russell in 67th place. And yeah, it, that's a super, that top five is super interesting because we have three international teams uh, coming in to take the top three spots. And then two, uh, I know Tim and Dave technically aren't a youth team, but they're, I think the older one is 22. Uh, yeah. And then with Anthony and Jaden both being under 20, uh, <laughs> just to see the range of probably experience and abilities there, but all having what I, I consider to be really good races. Um, again, for anyone who's not following, I know we beat this over the head um, probably a lot, but the 
depth of this field is insane. Um, for example, for Anthony and Jaden, in 67th place, they did a 17-hour and 17-minute, 36-second run of the course. Um, Ryan probably has some stats on that, but there are probably years where that time could be, I don't know, a top 30, Ryan. I mean, just yeah. depending on the depth of field. Given, given the depth of field and the water level, 17-17 uh, is pretty respectable. A lot of times it gets you pretty close to the top 40. And then, you know, this year it's 67. But, the, you yeah. know, the, the depth of that mid-pack was crazy good. A- a- absolutely insane mid-pack. Uh, a-, a lot of years you can, uh, it, when you think in terms of 40th place, you can go, okay, uh, a 40th place is, you know, if we try to hit a 1645, we, we got a pretty decent shot. Um, 17 hours might be able to steal a 40th depending on the year. Uh, this year, 40th was 1625 and 17 hours, which can steal a 40th from time to time. 1717 was 67th. 17th flat would have put you in 59th in this field. Um, I, I think it's also a testimony to the conditioning of the field and the competitors as well. If we look at the boats in that, what I would call the top 60 and forward, there were only two boats that dropped out of the race due to illness that, uh, that dropped. We didn't see the drops from the, you know, the, the boats that maybe could have been in that contention and then slid some of these other boats up too. So I thought that was just me personally. I thought observationally that was an amazing thing um, that so many of the high quality, high caliber teams would actually finish from start to end. And the only two that were out were legit, like legit sick. Um, We didn't see anybody. Was there even anybody actually damage listed for a drop this year, Ryan? Or were they all overtime or illness? Uh, One injury. Everyone else is overtime or illness. Uh, you know, the illness is pretty common when there's fog and there's cold. But, I mean, we had good water, for the most part, good weather, um, especially when the sun was up. It wasn't extremely hot. It, it foot wasn't – foot was the calmest I've seen it in a long time. Um, so, yeah, there tends not to be a, a, ha- a whole lot of drops when you got good moon, good weather, and good water. Yeah, 96 finishers out of the 110 starters. Uh, that's that's got to be a record for the number of finishers, right, right Ryan? I, I mean, yeah, I don't the, even know. <laughs> the prior record was 82, so definitely shattered that. Yeah, um, yeah. wow, that blew the top off that. And I think a lot – what is the record, Ryan, say in the last – well, we're going to have to look this one up. To me, observationally, there were a ton of rookie teams that made it this year. That that were true rookie teams. I mean, we we mentioned five, but if you go back into like sixth, you had Matthew Wichton and Bridget DeLeo, uh, it, Ryan Ognaby and Adam Blanchard in seventh in the rookie division. Had a couple of Texans and Andrew Davis and Alexander Leonard in eighth. Um, and the list just goes on and on and on. There were 11 overall rookie teams that finished this thing. Uh, that's an amazing feat right there. Where does that put it, Ryan? And you'll have to look it up as far as all-time uh, number of rookie teams to finish. 
we'll we'll use that one for a trivia question on the website <laughs> or something. Yeah, I mean, um, usually rookie teams have about a 40 to 50 percent DNF rate, and we had only two rookie teams not make it this year, uh, both due to overtime. Um, so you know, 11 out of 13 is pretty good, and um, I think I think last year might have been. I'll have to double check, but I think last year was was the most rookie teams we've ever had finish. Um, so we had only 15 rookie teams finished in 47, and last year I believe had the most since 47. Okay. Um, I do I do want to give a shout out to Adam Blanchard and Ryan Ognabeni. Um They're from Colorado and Utah, if memory serves, and uh, they told me before the race that uh, our podcast is our one good um, lifeline to the ensemble. So shout out to them guys. Great race. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, got got to give them a shout out, man. Great race and uh, way to way to come all the way out here and, and take a shot at it and collect that uh, finisher's vest and coin. Um, let's jump into the veterans result. Uh, what do we have there, Ryan? Uh, well, first veterans, uh, three peating, uh, um, Dan Mecklenburg and John Webb. Uh, John sprained his ankle pretty bad at the start, at the put-in, but they still managed a uh, 31st place finish and had a really good second half, in my opinion. Um, Second veterans was Greg Zofi and Debbie Brax in 61st. Uh, Third veterans was Diana Jurowitz and Sarah Webb in 77th. And the last finishing veterans team was Jeff Patterson and Ed Wagner in 84th. Okay. Um, so Webby and Mecklenburg take the three feet in the veterans class. Um, and we've got, uh, Sarah and Diana being the first veterans women's team to finish. Uh, that's super impressive to see. Like I always think of the women in that age bracket and maybe a touch older is like our title nine generation. Right. So those are, those are the women that are really like breaking those barriers and have been, for 40 or 50 years. <laughs> um, so it's really inspiring to see them approaching the race together. Um, team Granny <laughs> is yeah, the grannies, yes. Yeah, yep. they called themselves. Um, and it's it's just super inspiring to see them uh, still competing well uh, later into their athletic careers. Hopefully not at the end, but you know, <laughs> I, I look forward to seeing them racing uh, for years to come. It, and not Diana, not just finishing, but but racing. Like they were 77th out of the 96 finishers, right? They were up there mixing it up in the field as a as a pair of females over 60 years old. That's that's awesome. The first first veteran female team ever. It's it's uh, groundbreaking, and it was it was good to see Sarah racing again. She hasn't raced in a number of years either, and uh, they looked like they were having fun, not just all race, but all year. So kudos definitely big kudos to them and i think this transitions well into our women's field which we haven't uh, mentioned yet uh, but i've got results pulled up for that <laughs> uh our first women's team was lydia heelskamp and caitlin minor in 42nd uh overall second place was sylvie nadu and michelle laprad in 53rd our third women's team was Maria Schilling and Melissa Swislowski, 62nd overall. 
fourth was uh, Diana and Sarah again. And then in fifth, we had Caroline Fortin and Tina Pham. And I'll just, our, I'll, I'll say last place finisher, but in the marathon, that means a ton because um, that you've worked just as hard and just as and longer than everyone else. Uh, rookie women's team, Mallory Horroth and Allison Van Mal. So six of the seven women's teams that entered finished, and the one that didn't uh, missed on time at Mayo. Uh, so that's super awesome to see all those ladies mixing it up, um, you know, throughout the field. Yeah, you mentioned Mallory and Allison. Um, not only is that a ladies team, that's a ladies rookie team, right? And you put those two together, that's a big accomplishment for a women's rookie team to go together and collect a jacket, especially ones that are newer to the sport. Um, this isn't somebody that, you know, they've been paddling for decades and just decided to try it. This was a whirlwind accomplishment over the, a period of about 12 months uh, where we all got to watch it on social media, like unfold. And it culminated with a vest and a coin in Oscoda. I mean, how awesome is that? Yeah. And uh, even with the within the women's race uh, for the the top, it was really fun to see um how you know we've talked a lot about how these races have been like back and forth and I think Lydia and Caitlin ran second women's team for over half the race uh, I think they took the lead somewhere around 4001 and never looked back so they I'm really impressed with how they trusted trusted their pacing and their their race plan um, you know when they they were behind early but trusted their fitness and their feeling to you know, come ahead at the end. Yeah, that's a that's a team that's raced together a lot and went into the race with a plan, stuck with it, and, and knew that hey, we're we're from Texas, we're Texas ladies, and we are going to dominate the second half, and that's what they did. Um, changed that one around and ended up winning the women's women's division. Uh, shout out though, in second place in the women's, Michelle Laprade made her a Sable debut, right? Uh, Hopefully that's the first of many to come for her here uh, going grailing to Oscoda. And what a better, you know, what a great partner in Sylvie Nadu to, to take with her on that run. Um, and then third place in that division was Maria and Melissa, um, a couple of veteran paddlers that have did this race before. So, yeah, it was a great women's field. What What's yeah, your thoughts I, there? I, yeah, go ahead, Rebecca. Oh, I think Maria and Melissa hadn't paddled together until, like, the Spikes weekend, so they, like, had never jumped in a boat at all, and both of them, I think, were set at one point to race with someone else, and they kind of, like, that fell apart, so um, it's good to see that that kind of last-minute pairing worked out and uh, worked well. I also think Michelle and Sylvie were our first mentor team, which is a rookie with a five-start veteran. Uh, so it's really cool again to see enough women racing that we can be the mentors for uh, new paddlers coming in. Brian, were there other any other uh, mentionable? Now, I know the the mentor division is not one that's actually tracked by the marathon. Um, any other mentionable mentor teams in the field? Uh, putting me on the spot here. Uh, don't have my notes in front of me. I know. Uh, David Teddy and, and Ryland Teddy were a mentor team, and I thought they did pretty solid. Um, and uh, it was 
it was really cool seeing Ryland. Uh, I saw him quite a few spots, um, and uh, he looked like he was having a really great race with his dad, and it's always great to see. I'm, I'm hoping they uh, they race again sometime in the future. That's a uh, actually a really good transition. Um, go ahead, Rebecca. Oh, I was just going to say they were with another um, father-child team. Uh, it looks like they must have probably spent at least some of the time together. Uh, Ian Rolls and Adelaide Rolls were right in the mix behind them in 66th place. They finished only a minute and a half-ish behind. So um, I always really like those parent-child teams, having been on a few of those myself. Great minds think alike. That's exactly what I was going to yeah. transition to was the youth adult class and mentioned that Ian and Adelaide were right there on the clock with the with the teddies. You'd think that they had probably spent a little bit of time together. Uh, that was youth adult four and youth adult five. Um, the word riches were youth adult six. Um not super far behind them. Uh, it was cool watching George and Wally up here. Um, and just how exciting, you know, the, the use overall are in the, in the race. Um, youth adult three was Tom and Dane Trudgeon. Uh, youth adult two was Dave and Renal Flagiol. And youth adult one was Kyle Isendorf and Phil Mills Paw. So we really had a, quite the youth movement um, when you think of the fact that we had six youth adult teams and one true youth team in this field, there, there were a lot of kids, man. The, the kids are taking over. It's their world now. Yeah, four, was, four teenage paddlers, or three teenage paddlers in the top 40, it, that's pretty good. And, you know, f- uh, four of the youth adult teams were parent-child, and one was grandparent-grandchild, so... And what's really neat to see when you're walking around Marathon Week is, like, all these kids are racing, and they're all outgoing within the community, so they're, like, many of them were not rookies this year, some were, but, you know, they they all have made connections with other paddlers, and then with each other, uh, I'm super impressed to see um, all, the, all these kids kind of hanging out, uh, you know, the Kyle and Kaylee Isendorf, I know I've been hanging out some with Bill's family and to see George Wordrich is, you know, has made some connections with the Kellogg's and of course Dane is, you know, connected with uh, quite a few of the other paddlers. I think he's raced with Kyle Isendorf a little bit and then uh, even Renault and, and Dave, you know, just getting out and, and being like really active in the in the community like that can be hard to do when you're you know younger and you've got all these experienced paddlers around you but they all seem like they're really excited and really fitting in and and creating their own little um kind of the the new up-and-coming community that we're all going to have to be afraid of here in a few years oh the 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 kids are totally going to take over the world right as somebody with kids that age like I observe the the conversations that are going on amongst them and yeah they're totally plotting to take over i can tell you this right now all of them are, are trying to figure out like hey let's paddle together and let's do a race let's paddle together and do a race and it's awesome it uh that's the the next generation um we i, I don't want to say that we skimmed over westine and steve lejot was victory but we didn't go super in depth with it uh I think it's pretty important to note that Wes is still pretty young, and this was what marathon number twelve for him. 
and, and he's now a champion. Um, Ryan, how old is Wes, and how many how many cracks at it did he take? Uh, he's 28. He's one of the uh, f- small handful of iron paddlers to earn that before age 30. And um, I think he, he this was his 11th race, if memory serves. And yeah, I mean, coming coming away on top after two second places, he's he's got a bright future. Yeah. So we have a champion who's 28 years old who has roughly 11, you know, past goes at this is and is an iron paddler. We literally could be talking about when we're talking about uh, the youth and the youth adult teams or uh, the, the straight youth teams. We could be talking about a future champion in 11, 12 years if one of them follows the West Dean trajectory. Uh, it's fun to watch at energy. Uh, now I'm pretty sure in 11 to 12 years, they're probably going to have to knock West Dean off the podium and he's only going to get better or, a, a Mike Davis or, uh, you know, Christoph Pruhl, you know, these, these guys that are, you know, the, the, the top of the game in the bow, um, yeah, we, we could have a future champion and that's how they get started. I'm sure, uh, Wes would say that he hooked up with people, you know, when he was kids, um, you know, be it his, I think his brother Spencer did one. Um, maybe yep. not. Uh, yeah, yep, they yeah. raced together. But that's, it's exciting. So. And then Wes and uh, Danny Medina raced together, um, I think twice uh, when they were both, they might have been in their early 20s, but uh, quite young, you know, and that was kind of the same thing. They found connection um, with people their age. I know Kyle Stonehouse was in there group too and those guys all kind of came up together now all in the all in the top 10 uh but just you know leaned on each other for support and training partners and racing partners um throughout their teens and early 20s yeah this was uh had a double check this was west's uh 12th race and he's raced with spencer dean nick mcdonald Danny Medina, Bill Taranjo, Jason Hatfield, P. Mead, Kyle Stonehouse, Watson Willoughby, Ryan Halstead, and of course Steve Lajoie. So, and he he's gotten progressively better every year, and you know now he's now he's a champion, and and he should be he should be one of the uh, top paddlers for years to come. What was it? Sounds like you've got this pulled up. What was Westine's first marathon? Uh, in 20, 2011 with Spencer, they finished 55th. Okay. Do you have the time? Uh, 1752.32. to marathon champion. So it, the trajectory is there. The path is there. You just got to keep working hard and digging. Yeah. And I think to transition into our last uh, – Last category, you know, Wes is one of our Michigan paddlers, but he he did the uh, tried and true, as you can see from the top three of Michigan and Quebec <laughs> pairing. Um, those seem to be pretty successful, but we do have some all Michigan teams that I think we should mention. That's always a tough class. Uh, in first place, we had uh, the all Michigan team. Seventh overall was Danny Medina and Carson Burmeister. Second, all Michigan was Rich Loth and Colin Hunter. Third was Spencer Dorenzi and Rodney Halstead. Fourth 
was Doug Dahlman and Brad Wilson. And rounding out our top five was Tim Sheldon and Tad Hill. And another one of those categories where you had to be in the top 20 to be in the top five. (laughs) I think that was a pretty, looking at the times, that was, again, another really tight category. And it shows the quality of racing we've had in Michigan all year. And how how competitive that division is and we're really lucky to to have that because they were they don't have that everywhere yeah we're uh i think the term blessed gets overused quite a bit in day-to-day life but we're really blessed here in michigan with a fantastic uh promotional organization within the michigan canoe racing association and a bunch of incredible race promoters who put in long hours to make sure that we have a lot of fun races um, so that when we get to the triple crown season, uh, the, the Michigan racers can show and perform well. So, man. And I, well, uh, what, we, uh, go ahead, Ryan. kind of compounding on that, you know, the MCRA does a great job with race promotion and, and um, sanctioning. And then you also have clubs like the Laura Salva canoe club. And then, the clinics that that uh, Jeff Kolka and, and Ryan Halstead and them up in Grayling help with. And uh, I believe there's a West Michigan Canoe Club now down by Kalamazoo. And and definitely some avenues if you're uh, in Michigan, definitely some avenues to help get yourself into the sport and, and learn from some veterans. And even if you're not, like it doesn't matter where you are, Living, if you're listening to this, if you are excited about paddling and want to figure out how to get into racing, um, just reach out to the Canoe Race World page and we'll we'll get you in touch with anyone we know that's around. Um, I know between the three of us and then Kevin and other contributors, we know somebody pretty much anywhere that has a pro boat and wants to paddle. Yeah, there's a Marathon Canoe Racing is a community where there's actually paddlers spread out all over the United States. It's just a matter of finding them. Um, And we happen to know where a lot of them are and can put you in touch with people. And one thing that I've learned about paddlers is that paddlers love to paddle and love to get new people into the sport. Right. Uh, So if you raise your hand and go, hey, I'd, I'd like to get into this and I happen to be from Iowa. Well, I guarantee that we can probably put you in touch with the kramers or with dave timmerman uh or i'd love to get into this and i'm from minnesota well there's a there's a whole gaggle of them in minnesota that paddle so there is uh there's paddlers in florida they're all over the east coast uh we we now have utah and colorado added to the list um yeah nebraska and the dakotas there's some out in the pacific northwest i mean there's people there's people all over. You just have to get in touch. So. Oh man, now you're making me like think and name names. Bowers out in the northwest, Bowers. right? Um, yep. Calvin Hassel's somewhere in the middle. Nebraska. 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 Yep. I think yeah. Dave Jansen still lives in California. Yeah, Dave. Uh, yeah, Dave Jensen's out in Lake Jensen, Tahoe. Jensen, sorry, Jensen. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, he's in uh, Lake Tahoe area. Yeah, there's just there's paddlers all over, uh, and and like Bill said, they're pretty eager and friendly to uh get people started yeah we and, probably won't leave you alone if you tell us that you want to paddle <laughs> and the the age ranges i mean this year's marathon 
the youngest was 15, the oldest was 75. So it's really a sport that's suitable for anybody. Yeah, definitely. And if you're if you fall out of that 75, my grandpa is 94 and he paddles three or four days a week. Isn't quite doing the marathon, but he'll show up to some MCRA circuit races every year. So uh, you can definitely get in at any um, age and and speed. There's a place for you. For sure. What other, uh, I tell you what, I think we've covered a lot of teams before we wrap this one up. Is there any other, you know, surprises or teams you watched or teams that you guys want to shout out? Kick us off, Ryan. (laughs) Throw me under the bus. Uh, I really enjoyed having the, uh, the international teams here. Um, it was great getting to meet Robin and Michael from Germany and, you know, uh, the Aussies uh, coming back and seeing, you know, James and Stephen and Frank and meeting Annette. And then, of course, the Belize, the Belize kids, uh, they it's it really great. And, and uh, you know, they had really great spikes race and pretty good marathons. And, and I'm really hoping we see some of them uh, return in the future. Um, I believe one of the Belize paddlers said they are hoping to return next year. Um and, uh, you know, we had a, a very strong mixed field. I'm, I'm hoping we see that again uh, next year as well. And, um, you know, uh, I got to meet Andrew Davis and Alexander Leonard kind of by chance um, before the race. And they were they were fun to get to know and, and cheering them on through the race. Um, I think it was Alexander always had a big smile on his face and, um that's just as a, as a race organizer that's really great to see that someone really enjoying the the efforts that we put forth to put on this race and and uh you know for the most part everything went really smoothly this year and and it was great racing on the river how about you rebecca well i'd like to shout out um, fred mills and heather minkle uh, heather has been racing for basically the last two years most of the circuit races and finally um with the help of Fred as her mentor, I decided to tackle the marathon this year, and I'm so happy to see them finish and, you know, finish pretty well in a group. It looks like they were, they were sandwiched between a couple of their teams um, at the finish, and I just, I'm so inspired and, and so proud of the work that Heather's put in, uh, be it like in her C1, she's been racing a ton of C1, and then doing almost all the races C2 as well, um, it's just really inspiring for me to see see her get that finisher's jacket and then i guess if i'm going to pick a second one uh would be bill trondro and maggie file um bill obviously has been racing for i don't know he's upwards of 30 finishes is that his 35th finish maybe something like that uh and maggie is his daughter and i know um, she returned to the race this year, so this is her second finish. Uh, she said this time she did it for herself. Um, she lost her mom uh, rather suddenly last year, and just it was something, you know, to kind of get back to family and, and be um, have that, you know, connection with Bill. And it, I'm super proud to see how they did. They had a really nice race and finished well, and it's just you can see the emotion on her face and the finishing pictures. And that's, uh, it's really cool to see that, like, family and community come together 
around uh, around our you know our our I guess our families right <laughs> like we're we're there to support each other. I mean the canoe racing world really is one big family. I mean I know it gets sad to death. It's probably kind of cliche, but it really is. It's one big family. Annoying uncles and all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, there was a, a couple more paddlers. I just, just looking through the results, I did want to give shout outs to. Um, Steve Lezois, obviously for the win, but also earning his steel paddler. Um, Chris, or Chuck Hewitt, also steel paddler. Nate Winkler, steel paddler. For those who don't know, that's 20 finishes. Huge accomplishments. And then um, I'd be remiss if I don't mention Michael Guerin extending his consecutive finish streak. Probably the most impressive record in, for the marathon. 20-some-odd uh, years now in a row, 24, I believe. Um, I think it's 24, yeah. Yeah, and that's incredible. I mean, a lot has to go right. 24 years not just in the race but in training so congrats to all four of them what about you bill you guys hit a lot of mine um i actually was sitting here preparing what to say for uh mike garen and zach cheney when i remembered that garen actually texted me this morning and i was in a meeting and totally forgot to text him back um so i need to text mike garen tomorrow morning um that streak is, is absolutely amazing in my eyes in my opinion uh world of respect for him and for zach um in getting another one done again uh chuck hewitt uh, i know you mentioned him as getting his steel paddler when i did my race with uh diana jurowitz last year and, and took a rookie for the first time, he came up and he congratulated me and he said, you know what? Welcome to the club. You are now a force multiplier. And I kind of looked at him and then I realized, you know, Chuck Hewitt is a guy that has taken a lot of rookies over the years and gotten a lot of people involved in this sport. So for him to collect his steel paddler and to do it with his son, Chris, is absolutely amazing. Uh, hats off to them. Um, and then I'm kind of hitting that phase in life where I'm getting a little bit on the sentimental side. Like I have a hassle boat hanging up uh, down below in the basement that I can't get rid of because Lynn Whitty raced it one time in the marathon. Um, I, I just enjoy seeing Lynn and watching her get another finish with Mike Kellogg. Uh, I, I think they were 91st for the time of 1827-43. Absolutely amazing. Like on paper, they were mixed 24, seniors 15, all Michigan 37. But Lynn and Fred and, uh, you know, BT, like these are people that have been doing this 30, 40 years uh, that the marathon did a, a thing at the the meeting for the, the paddlers briefing on Friday nights or on Friday night where they were like, you know, if you did it once, if you've did it twice and then if you've did it more than five times and like I was just standing there looking around the room at five going, wow, this is actually a pretty this is a pretty small group of paddlers still standing in our briefing meeting. And then they got to the end and it was, you know, BT and Lynn um, and Fred in that, you know, boats zero through 55 group. 
it was like, wow, man, when you actually think about the amount of times that they've did this sport and the number of trips they've made down this river, it's absolutely amazing. So hats, hat tip to all of them. So, man, those are mine. Maybe Bill's just getting a little post-marathon depression weepy, but absolutely. <laughs> it is, it's definitely worth mentioning, though, Lynn picking up her 41st finish in her 43rd consecutive start. That's... Um, Possibly records that may never be broken. Time will tell, but 43 consecutive years, that's... Yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Yep. It's a, it's a lot of miles spent paddling, a lot of time spent on the water, a lot of training, a lot of dedication. A lot of stories I'm, to tell. <laughs> a- absolutely. On that note, I think that's a really good spot to wrap it up. Uh, I have to say thank you. To all of our dedicated listeners, thank you to the committee members and volunteers of the Asabo River Canoe Marathon. Thank you, Ryan Matthews. Thank you, Rebecca Davis, for joining me tonight for another episode of the Canoe Race World podcast. On that note, keep paddling on. Thank you for listening to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, where we love marathon canoe racing and aren't afraid to say it. Be sure to visit the website at CanoeRaceWorld.com. And don't forget to support our sponsors who make this whole thing possible. Until next time, keep paddling.